Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hello guys, I hope you're well. hope you all had a great new year. Seems a long time since we last spoke, but this is our first podcast of 2021, so forgive the belated new year wishes. I'm Mark O'Hare from Wheel of Betting and delighted as always to be joined by my true two trusted sidekicks, Tom Love and Will Dyer. As we look ahead to the weekend's football, loads of really attractive games from home and abroad. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? Enjoy the week off last week? Yeah, it was nice to be fair. Um usually quite a big day on Thursday when you're looking forward to the weekend so it's usually crammed full of research and uh, yeah it's probably the busiest day of of the week personally um so yeah it was nice to have a, a little bit of a more relaxed one last week but I, I know that um there's been a lot of people getting in touch wanting wanting to hear my dulcet tones and wills once again <laughs> which is completely understandable um to be fair so yeah, delighted that um, we're back on and yeah, hopefully it's going to be a good year because, as you said, there's plenty of good title races coming up, um, I think, especially in, in England and in Italy. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting few months if, if the season does carry on, which we all hope it will. Indeed. Well, it's testament to you guys that the, the fans, if you like, the followers, the listeners have been asking where we were last weekend. We stopped because of the FA Cup, but uh, the FA Cup returns next week. But we will carry on and plug on regardless, just because you guys were asking for us last week. Uh, but Will, Will Dyer, how are you doing? Hopefully rested, refreshed and, and positively minded with Swindon boasting a 100% record in League One in for 2021. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Scott Twine with his sixth goal from outside the box this season, two more than any other player in the Europe's top five divisions and EFL. So I'm um, in dreamland. Um, yeah, it was a it was a nice breather last week. Yeah, from the wall to wall football um, that we've kind of just had relentless. And yeah, I don't really know what I filled my time with otherwise, but good to just reset and um, didn't have too good a, a New Year's podcast either. So nice to just try and lick your wounds and come back um, ready to go. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Right, enough of the funny business. Let's get into the good stuff because the standout Premier League game this weekend is obviously Liverpool against Manchester United. Um, goes by the quite naff title of the North West Derby. Should be something better than that, surely. But uh, the Reds against the Red Devils. I'm really excited to hear your guys' views on this game. Liverpool are odds against uh, around 21 to 22 most commonly, I think they're around even money, but we'll see come kickoff time where they go with that price. But uh, it's the first time in over two years they've been this big for a home Premier League game against a team that's not Manchester City. Uh, as for United, they're 11 to 4, 3.75 if you shop around. I think the draw, not far off 3 to 1, is quite a big runner in this. Uh, I also think opposing a high goal line is, is quite interestingly uh, attractive to me, at least uh, under three goals on the Asian line where you get your money back if there's exactly three goals. Uh, I'm not convinced this will be an end-to-end exciting affair. In fact, I think both sides would be more concerned about protection and preservation, uh, knowing that a draw privately would probably be a good result for both in their quest to either win the league or finish the season strongly. Uh, A lot of the big six games have been quite disappointing this season. I wouldn't be too surprised if this followed suit, but uh, they're my views. They don't really count. Over to you, Tom. United have overtaken Liverpool in the Premier League. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, it's one of them where you're kind of looking at a variety of markets weighing up the pros and cons. And to be honest, I kind of settled on the prices being pretty bang on for this at the minute. Um, If you look at Liverpool, how often do you get even money? I mean, we did get that time against Leicester when they went off um, around evens or they, they went to about evens in the run into the game. Obviously, they had a few more injury issues than they do this weekend. But I think that, yeah, you look at that price and they're unbeaten in 48 games or something at home in the league. So you've got to be tempted in by that. I'd be much rather happy backing Liverpool at that price than Man United at their price, um, if I'm honest. I, I understand people say you look at Man United's away 
record. I think it's 11 wins in the last 12, which is incredible. Um, but them matches on the eye have been a lot closer than um, they should have. I think that a lot of teams have been quite unfortunate not to get anything out of them games against Manchester United when they've played host to them. But you've got to say that the setup really does work. Um, I think that it it kind of caught teams off guard maybe a year or two ago um, when United were really kind of down there and uh, unfancied when they didn't have the likes of Bruno in the team. Um, it was just purely a kind of contain and try counter-attack mentality that they had, which is something that worked for them. But I think that teams are gaining more respect for United now. Um, they're kind of setting up to not let them do that and not let them be as clinical on the break and as dangerous. I think that Klopp will be aware of that. But with them being at home, um, the pressure's on to keep that good record. I think they do have to come out and try and attack this game if they can. But yeah, it's one of them where I've kind of looked at the stats for goals and... Um, the win stats and stuff like that and it, nothing's massively convinced me to put my money on any of them uh, I, I understand the, the the under three goals that you put up there Mark I think that was looking like a bit of a player but then you look at United's games away from home they're averaging around four goals a game or something ridiculous like that obviously that Burnley game midweek ended 1-0 that's one of the I think that's the only one that's gone under two and a half and not seen BTTS too. So, yeah, it's a tough one. And I kind of looked at it from a tactical point of view with these two being so well matched in the league. It is really is two teams that are going for the title uh, if you're looking at the current table. And I just think they're not going to want to give too much away. And I think that it could be a game that's, Liverpool dominate the ball. It's a lot of the game is kind of played in front of Manchester United. A lot of it's in midfield, and that kind of made me look towards the shot line in this game. You can get under twenty four point five shots in the game with Bet three six five at five to six, which I actually think is not that bad uh, given the way I expect it to play out. I think if United are going to take shots, it'll be mainly on the counter attack which is significantly less than you'd expect if they were actually like pending the attacking half. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that they'd probably have um, eight eight shots maybe or fewer than that. And, and then you're looking at Liverpool to rack up the shots, which I just can't see them doing. Um, I, I think they'll be happy to just keep the ball and try take the chances when they do come about. So... Kind of similar lines to you, Mark, in, in how I expect the game to play out. I wouldn't really want to oppose the goals, but I'm happy to oppose that shot line. It looks quite high at 24.5. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll play that at 5-6. to six. Um, I'll also go into the bet builder market with Coral, um, the player stats kind of stuff, which does kind of take my interest in these games, which are quite hard to find any value in in the markets that are quite liquid um and it's two two bets that you can combine into one and it comes out as a four, uh, five to four shot um you'll probably understand why i'm putting uh trent alexander arnold to have a shot outside the box up again it's landed in 12 of his 14 starts this season all of his shots this season have been outside the box in the premier league obviously he's on free kicks as well um that's around one to two which I think is fair. Um, I think it should probably be a bit shorter. Uh, the bookies have kind of cottoned on to that. That was going off around even money sometimes last season, which we cashed up on. Um, but if you combine that with Rashford to have one or more offsides in the game, you get the 5-4 to four price, which is much more backable. Um, he's been offside in five of his last seven starts. And we know that Liverpool play probably the highest line in the league. Uh, they're happy to do that. We saw that against um, Villa in the FA Cup, didn't we? How the defensive line were pretty much on the halfway line uh, that let Louis Barry in to score that goal. And given that Man United are probably going to sit back, it's going to bring Liverpool out. 
They're going to want to uh, get the likes of Trent and Robertson forward, of course. And United are going to try to go back to front really quick, like they try and do quite often. And Rashford on that left-hand side of the three. Uh, given the centre-halves, they don't play with three at the back, Liverpool. They don't play with a sweeper or anything like that. So um, there's a high chance that the wide players could get caught offside. And he's been offside around... Uh, he's averaging about 0.9 offsides per 90 this season. But I think that's going to be much... The chances are much higher in a game against Liverpool where the, their defensive line's so high. Um, and they'll try to use his pace to get in behind. So, yeah, if you combine both of them, Trent Alexander-Arnold to have a shot outside the box and Rashford to have one or more offsides, 5-4 to four looks quite nice. And you can get that with Coral and Ladbrokes both on their uh, bet builder features. So, yeah, it's two kind of alternative markets for me, um, getting against quite a high shot line in the game and that player bet there. Um, but, yeah, it is pretty tricky. I think the, the markets are pretty much bang on elsewhere. Yeah, I like that, Tom, thinking outside the box of two different angles there. Will, um, Paul Tierney, I think, has the whistle for this, one of the more reliable referees for cars this season in the Premier League. So is there a cards angle to be had? And, and if not, let us know what you found. Uh, do you know what? I, I got burnt, obviously, with the Southampton-Liverpool game on the card front. Um, Liverpool not going true to form um, lately on that. They had three cards there. I had Southampton most booking points. So um, I had just kind of evaded that that angle for this week. I did still have it noted down, all of the statistics around... <clears throat> Um, Man United and Liverpool's kind of cards and cards, cards for and cards against numbers, but it, really with the price, United are about evens to have most most cards, and I think it's probably about fair. And with it being a derby of, well, it is a derby really. Um, yeah, nothing really that entertained me there. Um, but I just wanted to kind of come at this and frame frame this with uh, something that I heard Stephen Warnock say last night after. What was it after the Spurs game, um, saying that United come into this game as favourites? Um, I know <laughs> obviously betting isn't everything, um, but I do think handicappers and the market are a, a darn sight better at predicting results than pundits, and that, that just goes to show it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of lost interest as soon as you said I heard Stephen Warnock say. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So I just guess it just shows you the mentality that many will view this game from in terms of like recency bias, right? Um, Liverpool is still the big favourites, even even money. Uh, United clearly not uh, the favourites for it. Um, but this is, I mean, this and this isn't what drives those prices. Recency will not be driving that. So I, I think as well, as Tom said, I, I would probably be slightly favouring Liverpool evens. But I, if anything, I wouldn't make them much shorter maybe four to five um which means i, I try we'll, we'll try and get on their side slightly um and kind of double it up with something else but yeah they've just looked a bit lifeless haven't they a bit predictable um even with a largely full strength team against most most uh their opposition lately on the road particularly not not been good not been not really been creating like big chances either just kind of scrappy ones only had one shot on target against southampton um but home form is obviously still strong. And um, what makes that difficult is that United's away form is even stronger. So, um, and the Red Devils have obviously, yeah, it's been going around a bit that they've won more, the most Premier League points since last January. So it is a tricky one to call. Um, Liverpool dropped eight points from winning positions um, lately as well, which is quite a, well, something that just wasn't happening last season and a big part, big part of why they, they, won the title at such such a canter but um in terms of expected points man united are quite overachieving um expected to be on just 26 right now rather than the 36 they have to their name so whereas liverpool are kind of bang on with 33 expected from 33 this is based on expected goals obviously um so even just a kind of cursory glance at the table as well would would tell you this but the fact that united have scored three less than liverpool and conceded three more, yet sit, sit three points above them. So, um, obviously, like that at the prices, that doesn't necessarily um, make much. There's not really a huge disparity between them to to make United maybe five to two if it was played on kind of a neutral ground. But 
Yeah, just they're quite mid-table really for XG United. Um, if you look at any kind of number, open play, shots in the box, I don't, I don't think any United fans are going to be getting carried away with themselves um, after years of not really being, not really competing um, for the for the title. Um, but they obviously have found a bit of a new lease of life, especially in midfield. Pogba have been really good in those last couple of games. Bruno Fernandes obviously much much written about that, but. Um, something I noticed against Burnley was, was Rashford was quite quiet. Um, and what we were saying, obviously, was that they've been very good. He's been very good on the road as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he should get a bit more joy probably against Liverpool with their attacking wing backs. Um, and another person who's had a decent impact when he has played is Thiago, even even against Aston Villa's kids. Um, they kind of needed him to come on at half time. Um, and, and get that game won. So uh, overall, I just I think Liverpool, yeah, like I said, are kind of slightly um, slightly bigger than I probably would have them. So I kind of I wanted to put them on double chance. And also, I don't really fancy goals here either. Um, it's not a particularly strong play, but yeah, I, I like Liverpool double chance and under three point five goals at nineteen to twenty with bet three six five. Obviously, they're unbeaten in 60-something games at home. I guess you can't really chuck that stat out too easily when it's under the current climate um, of form. But goals have been harder to come by for, for Klopp's men in the last few games. Obviously, only two goals scored in the last three. And given it's a derby, I very much doubt we'd see, you know, quite, kind of what people call a catch-up effect or something where suddenly they all just, all the goals rush out. I don't think that this will be the game for that to happen if Liverpool were threatening to do that. So, um, yeah, Liverpool double chance and under 3.5 goals for me. Yeah, I like it, Will. I like it. Uh, I think Liverpool fair favourites, as you said, obviously. But, um, yeah, haven't been themselves recently. But we have seen, seen in flickers this season that they can turn it on at any point. It's just waiting for the right moment to see that happen. So maybe we'll see on Sunday. Who knows? But, uh Let's move on. Uh, Tom's put out his customary poll on Wednesday afternoon to see which game he wanted us to cover from outside of the Premier League. Um, as I said earlier, some really fantastic fixtures from across the continent. But you guys opted for the Derby d'Italia as Inter Milan host Juventus on Sunday night. A real fascinating game in the Serie A title race. Uh, these two are still the bookies' favourites for the title, despite Milan leading the league. Uh, but collectively, they've managed, I think, six clean sheets in 33 league games this season, just three apiece. Uh, so, yeah, Serie A, the home of entertainment, full of goals, great fun to watch this season. I'll say a view, Will, uh, this should be a fun game to follow. So what's your view? Yeah, I hadn't looked at that angle of um, six, only six clean sheets between them. That's crazy. It's definitely been high scoring. Um my angle as well, being this Derby d'Italia, is, is is cards as well, based upon um, some kind of angle I'll go into in a second. But yeah, um, obviously last season's first and second place teams, they were separated by just a point last season. I think we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but it was important to note that, that Juve took their foot off the gas last season when they were kind of a fair few points clear. And they lost three of the last four. So they, yeah, I mean, they could have won the league by 10 points last season, but that has definitely um, completely been turned on its head this this year. It looks a bit like the Premier League in terms of um, how much more tight this title race is going to be. Um, Inter, yeah, even in the last two games, have slipped up a couple um, against Sampdoria and, and um, Roma. Um, and probably more, the draw against Roma is more of an indication, I think, of Roma's progress rather than a decline for Inter. Um, and really, the defeat to Sampdoria was uh, largely unfair. In terms, Sanchez missed a penalty. They dominated the game, really, but you know, were done over by by just well-disciplined football from Sampdoria. But um, yeah, competitive renewal this season, I think. And um, Juve won this fixture home and away last campaign. Um, and yeah, they've been draws have kind of hampered their um, their season so far, um, which has left. Inter and uh, AC uh, capitalising in the top two spots for now, at least. Um, I also yeah, noted that Juve conceded to 10 men of Sassuolo last weekend. Um, didn't look too straightforward at one point, but ended up with a 3-1 win. Um, prior to that, that win against AC was a bit of a statement. So 
One thing that I've kind of, in the last few games, they've been very good at, at hitting the target. Um, they've had 10 shots on target in all three of the last, um, all of the last three Serie A games. Um, but if you do look back further, it does only, it does go down to, to just about six per game. And their, their shots on tar- shots to shots on target ratio is nothing really to write home about. So just a recent trend pot- potentially, and maybe that will tame down against tougher opposition. Um, Kies has been lauded with a big future, isn't he? Um, so from what I've seen of Juve, he's mainly their, their kind of leading light at the moment. Um, but one real trend there yeah, that I liked here was that Inter have a preference for attacking down the right. Um, and you, they have a preference for attacking down the left. So it's all going to be on one side of the pitch. Um, maybe not all of it, but sort of on the heat maps, it looks to like 38, 40% of play for both teams is on that one side. Um, so there might be a bit of dominance of um, from some players like Hakimi. Um, Ronaldo is obviously a, a, plays on the left wing often. Um yeah, Lautaro Martinez sometimes plays left or depends kind of what, what formation Inter go for. Um, but these players, I think, are probably the, as well as Chiesa, the main attacking, um, it sounds silly to say that Hakimi is their main attacking talent, but it, it really is. He's such a, probably the best wing back in the world. So um, I, I wanted to look at somehow... Um, players on that side of the pitch being involved in cards. Um, Deveri is the ref. He's a solid one for cards. He's just—he's about mid-table really, but um, five, just over five cards per game. Um, and he's the same for Reds around mid-table, 17th of the 40 active Serie A refs, with uh, just just shy of one in three games having a red card. Um, crazy that that puts him. Uh, yeah, seventeenth in the pecking order for uh, the readiest man, which is um, yeah, mad really. But um, yeah, so Inter received five cards in the Coppa Italia midweek. Um, all five were right or right of centre, um, and it, it's similar stories basically. With um, in the last meeting between these teams, you had four players carded all on that side: Ronaldo, Vecino, Skriniar, and Brozovic in that game. Um, I think Skriniar may get left exposed by Hakimi kind of bombing forward. And if he's up against Ronaldo and exposed to him, he's also, Skriniar is the is 14th for fouls per game in Syria, um, which is the most of any player in this fixture, at least. So I really quite like a card for him. Um, the problem being right now at time of time of recording this podcast, uh, only bet Victor priced up player cards they go 29 to 10 so just shy of um a three to one um on a on a yellow card for screening but that's one i i really like um and it, yeah since we obviously expect this to be the action area um other players that are quite well fouled are hakimi and lautaro as well um so looking at looking at some of juve's players um i think bentancur is, is obviously he's always in the book at the moment he's had three uh all of his last three games he's been carded um and yeah he's he's six to four with bet victor which is very short for a player card not something i would usually entertain but i expect when more people price up you might be able to get north of two to one and at that point i may may get involved um yeah you have kind of had issues at a wing back um as alexandro has been out they've been they've ended up even playing like Bernadeschi, Quadrado, Kulusevski, Frabotta, Danilo, all, all sorts of people trying to cover at wing-back this season. So uh, it could be interesting to how they kind of try and uh, manage that area. Um, Frabotta is only 11 to 10 for a card, but he's another one that has come in to the side to kind of cover and has been carded free already uh, a few times this season. Um no, I've got no real particular feelings about uh, the one x two. Really, I I would have had Inter as marginal favourites, and it turned out they are as well. Yeah, they're like eleven to eight, and Juve are like uh, nine to five. So nothing on that for me. But um, Hakimi, I, I remember I tipped him up previously as well to score when we previewed Lazio v Inter in, in back in October, and since then he scored five, and, not, and unfortunately he didn't bag a goal against Lazio. Um, but being a big reason for that right-sided preference and 
Um, I do quite like the 5-1 to one on him to score at bet 365, given he has six goals in 17, but obviously the calibre of opposition is a bit better. So my official play will be um, will be Skriniar, 29-10, uh, bet Victor for a card. But just look out for Bentancur if you can get over 2-1. to one. And I might just have a little uh, sort of fun bet if I watch the game on Hakimi to score, but I don't think it's massive value given, given it's Juve. Okay, some good analysis there, Will. Um, obviously, a great game to look forward to. Over to you then, Tom. Inter against Juve. What's your angle? <laughs> I was um, laughing along to what Will said then. Um, I've got exactly the same player noted down for a card and screen you. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. mate. No, it, it's great to see we're on the right, the same lines here. I was thinking how much... I, I watched the Inter game midweek against Fiorentina in the... Uh, in in the cup and Skriniar got booked in that and he committed a load of fouls. He, he could have had a, a red card in all honesty. Um, he, he did commit a, a well, whoever the referee was in that one had an absolute stinker giving a penalty to Fiorentina for <laughs> um, an apparent foul by Skriniar when it was a when it was a massive dive. But that kind of riled him up and he got a card shortly after that. Um, the thing that kind of kind of caught me a bit off guard is that he's only picked up one card in the league this season in 12 games, um, which doesn't really tally up with his foul stats that Will mentioned. Um, he, he's up there. I think he's the, the highest interplayer per 90 for fouls. Uh, he did pick up seven cards last season, though, and one red. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if they're going to play this this formation and he starts at that right centre half. Uh, I agree with what Will said. Exactly the same thinking. If Hakimi is going to be bombing on, which he's, he's used to doing, I think that Skriniar gets pulled out of position like he did. Exactly like what happened in that Fiorentina game. Um, he, he can commit a couple of fouls here, and he's actually ten to three. Um, I've just seen with Bet365 for a card, so a bit bigger than the twenty-nine to ten that um, Will quoted. I think that's that's fine in a game that should be quite well um, contested. Uh, Hakimi is a bit shorter. He's 12-5. to 5. Um, But, yeah, I think on the foul stats and stuff, I, I really do like Skriniar. I thought to myself, if I can get above 3-1 to one on him to be carded, that's definitely something that will take my fancy. So, yeah, I'm... I'm Please, we both ended up plumping for the same option there. Um, but yeah, I think that this this should be a cracking game, hopefully. I think that um, if you just look at the goal stats of both um, Inter games, is it nine of the last ten have gone over two and a half? The last five Juve games have seen over two and a half as well. So the only thing that could kind of slightly put you off a goals-based bet here is the magnitude of the game, obviously. It's a derby of sorts, uh, the Derby d'Italia, as you said, and it's kind of a historical one. And I think that I just really hope that both teams go for it. Um, I'm not sure if they will, but I do think the odds on goals are actually quite generous. I think it was around 1.65 for over two and a half, which I think is fair when you look at the stats and you mentioned that AC Milan are top of the league at the minute, Mark, but it's these two that actually top the XG ratio, both boasting around 65%, which is really strong. Inter games are averaging a massive 3.5 XG per game. That's probably the best in Europe, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think that that that's quite insane to have that kind of figure over half a season, uh, quite a big sample size now. And yeah, I, I just think the odds on goals look good here, but I'm going to bolster um, the price on both teams to score. And if you actually chuck in both teams to have a card with Bet365, it pays 5 to 6. I make that more 8 to 11. Um, as Will mentioned, Doveri, the ref, he isn't the maddest, but he's very consistent, kind of fours and fives, uh, mainly this season and last season as well. So uh, with the magnitude of the game, yeah, you've got to fancy cards. I mean, it's even money for both teams to have over one card as well, which is something that I did look at. Um, 
need to do a bit more analysis on that before putting that up. Um, but they're both teams to score, and both teams over zero cards on the bet build at five to six looks looks really good in this one. Um, Syria has been brilliant for goals. What a league it's been. And uh, I mentioned that um, title races at the start of the pod, and th- this is a really fascinating one because Milan are up there, but they've kind of faltered a little bit of late. Um, Napoli, Atalanta and Juve all have games in hand, um, breathing down the necks of Milan uh, and Inter. So, uh, Roma are up there too so you've got five or six teams who are genuinely in a title race here it's by miles the best league in, in the world at the minute is Syria I've been watching more Syria than Premier League that's for sure uh, much more entertaining lots of goals lots of cards so it's great to watch um, I'm kind of following the goals theme I, I don't really want to put it up just yet um, because it, obviously this game is Sunday night so I was looking at the two players who are obviously the most threatening for both Lukaku and Ronaldo. You can get both to, both of them players to score at above four to one. It's something that I'll take. I'm pretty sure somewhere we'll come up with a price boost on that. It's four to one with Skybet at the minute, but um, I'd expect an enhancement here or there. I mean, if you can get five to one or bigger, I'll definitely be getting involved with that. Lukaku makes a massive difference to Inter whenever I've seen them. Just He's probably the most influential player. Uh, I'd rank him more influential for Inter than Ronaldo is for Juve at the minute. I just think everything goes through him. The way that Conte wants to play um, is massive as well for Lukaku and vice versa. So whenever he comes on, he makes a massive difference. He should be fit now. Um, he's coming back to form. So I, I think that he's got a great chance of scoring. Um, and Ronaldo, obviously, we don't need to speak too much about him. He, he's a massive threat, a player for the big occasion on penalties too. So um, he was rested midweek against Genoa. Um, they'll be bang up for this. So yeah, if you can get around five to one on both both of them players to score, I'll be having a little tickle on that. But yeah, my main bets will be both teams to score and both teams to have a card five to six, and um, Skriniar for a card ten to three. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lukaku's opportunities to, to score might be enhanced as well because the Ligt could be missing again for Juventus. He had COVID last week. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be back in time, uh, but we'll have to wait and see before Sunday. And McKenney went off injured as well for Juve too, so they are missing a few key players in sort of defensive areas of the field. But uh, yeah, uh, actually, just before we go on, you mentioned the title race in Italy. In one word answer from both of you, starting with you, Tom, who wins the title in Italy? Hmm. In Milan. And you will? Milan. AC. I'll be confusing with that one. Yeah, AC. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. No Juventus. Like it. Um, right. Uh, business time. We're going to get the guys naps, next bests and long shots, starting with the latter. Will, what's your long shot? Seven to two or larger, please. Yeah. Um, I had this written down for AOB and then I just got more and more convinced, by, convinced myself for it. So, um it is in Celtic v Livingston, which clearly, if anyone's been watching the news or following any sort of news on football on Twitter or anything, you'll have seen that um, Celtic have 13 players in isolation, plus Neil Lennon, um, after they fell for the, the lure of a Dubai trip, just like <laughs> a, any any sort of Instagram influencer. Um, so, yeah, seven or so of those players are, are first-team starters. Um and it's it's also just uh, obviously who they're who they're up against this weekend is Livingston, who are in incredible form, won eight in a row in all competitions, their best Scottish season they've had since record began. I think it will be on course for if it continues like this. Um, so yeah, and obviously at Celtic, I don't know if change could be afoot. Um, maybe not sure about Neil Lennon's future, whether that's a bit unclear, but. Um, the players that are in on loan at the moment may get returned to parent clubs. People are talking about Odson, Eduard leaving. Um, majority shareholder Dermot Desmond, who's kind of steered them through a lot of challenges in the past successfully, has usually not sat around and waited to make changes too much. So could be quite a lot of change on the on the cards. They have such a big squad and things, and it's just 
basically their their distance behind Rangers is unacceptable really for from their perspective. Twenty one points behind them now. Um, they were the better team really against Rangers, weren't they? We obviously we, we um, did a podcast preview on that game, um, and we maybe we got a bit lucky with the Rangers win in the end. But yeah, um, the title looks pretty much gone, and they they were hoping for ten in a row. Um, doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, Livingston opened at uh, seven to one. Um, that was before I think that was early lines that were up before the Dubai news. So um, they've come, they came into seven to two, and now they're they're drifting back out a little bit. You can get nine to two on Livingston with Skybet. Um, I think it's it's just a nice bet. They're against the Selic team. They're out of sorts anyway. Um, uh, the same sort of muddled 11 that they fielded against Hibs on Monday um, will probably be the, the side that they have to play again here. So, so that was six changes from the Rangers game that they that Selic had to make. Um, and Livingston had their game against Aberdeen postponed twice now. It was called off for Warlog um, plastic pitch, basically, um, last night, Wednesday night. Um, so they're quite well rested. Um, for now, at least, they're going to have a horrible sort of fixture congestion coming up because of these postponements they've already kind of got um two or three games in hand against over Kilmarnock um who are like sort of three to six points behind them something like that so a top six finish for Livingston looks almost almost a dead cert at the moment um and yeah they'll they'll be looking at this as their best chance of a second ever win over Celtic um they did have an awful record against them prior to 2019 they'd lost 20 in a row um, but since then, they managed three draws and a win in the last six meetings against Celtic. Um, and even as like Meadowbank Thistle that they used to be called before, um, sort of like 1995 and earlier, they, they had never won at Parkhead. So it's a, a, a big game for them. Um, they've been playing really well, great football, scoring like nice team goals. Um, and yeah, that win against Ross County um, strengthens their, their bid really for that top six finish. They... Um, they kind of they probably should be able to name an unchanged side for the third game in a row. And if you're kind of concerned that that Southwick Hibs result being one one on Monday night shouldn't be used as a as a litmus test for um whether Livingston can do the same, then the fact that Livingston beat Hibs three nil in Edinburgh last month, I think kind of paints a picture at just how good Livingston are at the moment. Um so for me, nine to two is still a little bit bigger than I'd probably have it. It's, it's obviously very hard to create a price based upon a team that Celtic haven't been fielding all season um, for the bookies. And I think really that, that that mixed Celtic side should probably be a bit bigger than it currently is. Interesting. A bit of fit bar for Will. Tom, where are you taking us for your long shot? I'm going to stay in England and... Um... I hope that the weather's not too bad at London Road. I'm going to go Peterborough to beat MK Dons and both teams to score, which is 4-1 to one with Skybet. Um, I mentioned before, Skybet put a boost on all of these EFL games if you take the win and both teams to score. I think the best price is 10-3 to three elsewhere, so you're getting a nice little enhancement there. Um, it's, it's not usually a price that I look at for a long shot. I usually go for something a bit bigger, but nothing's massively standing out elsewhere. And I do think this price is quite generous. Um, Porsche are kind of backing the goals now. They've got a fully fit squad together. Um, they've been really good at home. Uh, they scored two or more in six of eight. Uh, they scored four in the last home game in the league against Rochdale. Smashed in five midweek against Pompey in the Cup too. Uh, they've now won 11 of the last 13 at home, which is really good. Um, and we all know that Peterborough like to do some deals in the transfer window. Um, it's a big month for them, and their players will be looking at um, some moves away. I mean, Peterborough are very candid in kind of offering their players to teams if the price is right. That's how they make the money. They do really well in that regard. And um, the likes of Sariki Dembele will be um, eager to impress here. Uh, he's, he's been brilliant this season as Dembele, and I think that front three, um, Smodix, Dembele and Clark Harris, is by far and away the best in the league, the most talented. Um, I think that they they cause damage in the championship too. 
Uh, they're all fit again now. And Darren Ferguson's kind of moved um, away from his usual formation. He's kind of mixed things up uh, in an attempt to kind of get some verve back in their attacking play. And it's worked. Fair play to him. They've gone to kind of a, a 5-2-1-2 formation. Um, three centre-halves. They like to play out from the back. And it's interesting that he's employed a striker in Idris Kanu as a right wing back. But you've got to give him an applause for that. Kanu's been brilliant in that role, especially that last game against Rochdale at home. He was, he was great. And uh, Burroughs on the left, too, has is, is been a good outlet. I think it gets the most out of the centre-halves, too. Um, but it, it's more urged towards uh, uh, attacking players, this switching formation. I've heard plenty of interviews with Ferguson, and he's kind of derided um, the attacking players for, for not reaching their potential this season, especially um, in a couple of months prior to this. Um, but yeah, they've got their main men back now, and I think that they're really good for goals. Uh, it's landed in 50% of the home games this season for Posh, this win and both teams to score. Um, but I do think defensively they can be got at, um, especially against a team like MK Dons, who have really impressed me with their style of play under Russell Martin. They, they like to get the ball on the floor. Their process has been really good, to be fair, as well. Um, but I really aren't convinced by their backline. I think that's going to take quite a while for them to become quite well-rounded um, and to be like a challenger for promotion. Uh, but I do like what Martin's done there. He's got a, an interesting way of working, and I think that um, there will be a good thing coming for MK Dons in the next couple of years. Made some really interesting uh Young signings as well. That's a Charlie Brown who's impressed with Chelsea in their youth team. Uh, but yeah, they away from home. They've conceded in nine of their eleven. Um, they just give away quite easy goals and quite early goals as well, which usually means that games open up, um, which is always good for a goals-based angle. I was looking at over two point five in this game at around one point nine five, but I do favour Peterborough with their home form to get a result here. And yeah, four to one on them to win and both teams to score does look quite generous. So um bit of a shorter price for a long shot, but um I think four to one is too big for something that's occurred in half of Peterborough's home games this season. Yeah, it's a nice price for sure. Uh, I'll stay with you then, Tom, for your next best. So not your nap, your next best. Go for it. Yeah, this is gonna be one bet that you probably won't hear anywhere else this weekend. Oh, here um, we go. Yeah, I'm going to go into the Eredivisie in Holland and um, I was actually brought, it brought my attention to this because I was on um, my Football Index account earlier this morning and um, a player that I purchased about a year ago is a player called Rave Loet, who was, um, uh, he started at PSV and um, was kind of playing for young PSV uh, for quite a while, their youth team. Scored plenty of goals, but he, he didn't really break through there. And he's had to kind of drop down to um, the second tier. And he went to Excelsior, I think it was, um, and really did impress there. And he actually ended up signing for Heracles earlier in the season. So they're a, a team in the Eredivisie, and he's been excellent um, since he started there. He scored 18-16, so he's got a 1-2 record. Um, and it is basically a, a player who thrives in that league because he's technically an, an, an attacking midfielder, but he, he gets licensed to go all over the park and um, kind of do what he wants to, uh, to be honest. And he's kind of thrived off that um, responsibility to carry the team. And uh, yeah, the Heracles are away at Utrecht this weekend. Um, Utrecht are another team that have impressed me going forward, but I've, I've watched a couple of their games and defensively they're, they're pretty terrible. It's a very open team, Utrecht, and uh, Vloet actually scored a hat-trick in the reverse fixture between these two. Uh, also got an assist. He got man of the match. He was brilliant. And uh, yeah, Utrecht have quite kept just a single clean sheet all season 
Um, and given their kind of expansive approach, that that's, will really suit Floet as well. And I think that with his finishing ability, he's hard to pick up. Um, they are away, Heracles, here, but Vloet is 7-2 to two to score any time with Betfair and Paddy Power. I think that's massive, to be honest. Um, probably been one of the break, breakout stars for me in the Eredivisie this season. Um, and I'd kind of probably hold off for team news, obviously, in this day and age. Any kind of player-based bet, you you kind of waiting with bated breath to see if they've got a positive test or anything like that. But yeah, seven to two is massive. Um, he's around seven to four with bet three six five. So kind of in these markets, uh, bookies don't really see much money in it. So um, it might not take an awful lot to shift that price. But I'd kind of back him at anything above three to one. So seven to two looks really good. Uh, he's averaging 2.2 shots per game. He's had two or more shots in 11 of 16, too. And, and yeah, I just think he's got a perfect opponent in Utrecht here, and I, I'm expecting plenty of goals. So, yeah, 72 looks big for Ray Vloet to score any time. Ray Vloet in the Utrecht-Heracles game from the era de VC. Love it, Tom. Fantastic knowledge. <laughs> Always a pleasure to listen to. Uh, Will, your next best. Where are you going? Yeah, less exotic for me. I'm going to the Black Country. <laughs> um, uh, Wolves, West Brom. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, don't think uh, Nuno Espirito Santo will be getting worried with this um, current form, but they are one of the most out of form sides since Jimenez's horrid injury. Um, Ten point gap between between uh, them and Fulham in the drop zone, though, so it's probably okay, but. Yeah, a lot of problems up front. They've now got um, Traore and Podence also out. So Patrick Coutrone, who was actually uh, the subject of a football index purchase for myself as well, an absolute awful one over a year ago when he first signed for him, um, is finally getting a bit of a run in the side. Um, and yeah, so he's probably going to lead the line with maybe Fabio Silva on the left of him. Um but overall, Wolves, like in midfield at least, it's been quite consistent in terms of personnel at the back. They've kind of had some issues with Johnny as well and, and Willie Bolly both being out. Um, but otherwise, I, I still kind of think this side has plenty of claims to do well against a uh, West, West Brom side. Um, yeah, who were just knocked out the FA Cup by Blackpool, although maybe only four or five first teamers were in that in that um, in that match, but. Uh, what what this meeting for me does is it, it puts two trends quite nicely together, which is Wolves being renowned for this ever-increasing threat later in games. Um, and the fact that also that West Brom have been absolutely awful in the second half of matches this season. Um, uh, yeah, so some of the worst form in the Premier League since their promotion for Wolves. But um, with uh, on the other side of the thing, with, with Big Sam now at the helm, um, you can probably bet your bottom dollar, really, I guess, that the baggies will make this as difficult as possible and try and contain uh, contain the old gold. Uh, and I can see this being level um, around halftime, I expect. Um, but hopefully that Wolves quality shining through. Um, West Brom have conceded 15 goals after the 60th minute this season. Um, total of 22 in the second half. That's a, quite a considerable league high. It's like just 1.3 second half goals against per game and no other team averages uh, higher than one. Um, they've only got 11 goals to their name themselves, but seven of those have come in the first half. So West Brom themselves are scoring more in the first than they are in the second period. Um, and yeah, interestingly, I guess that stats as well as kind of more relevant to the their matches against weaker teams because they've actually won the second half against Liverpool and City um, to name just two of those games, at least that they've done well in the second half. So against Wolves, maybe they'll fancy themselves a little bit more. Um, and I think they'll probably get punished for it. Um, plenty of late action at Molyneux this term. Um, eight of the 13 uh, second half goals have come after the 75th minute. Um you can get Wolves at 13 to 10 to score most of their goals in the second half, but I prefer just the Wolves to win the second half, um, which is 21 to 20 with Sport Nation. Uh, if you haven't got a Sport Nation account, they're actually often top price on stuff, so it's worth getting one. But 
it's about evens in most places. Um, I just, yeah, like I said, I think it's a sort of game that, that West Brom need to win. Obviously, local rivalries as well at stake, maybe not such as uh, the biggest one, but um, when, when it kind of comes to, to stepping that up um, and getting a result, I think like Big Sam is similar to Mourinho in these kind of settings. He's not as comfortable trying to trying to get a result. He's rather rather set his team up to to sort of to sort of hurt hurt someone. And if Wolves aren't doing particularly well in the first period, um if this is kind of level, they might sense that they can get someone out of the game and and those stats would basically tell you that West Brom are likely to concede in the second half and I expect likely to lose the second half overall. So yeah, that's my next best. Twenty one to twenty Wolves to win the second half. Nice one. Black Country Derby Saturday afternoon, I believe. Uh, right, let's move on to the best part of the show. It's the Naps. Uh, I'll stay with you then, Will, for your best bet of the weekend. Yeah, all right. Um, I'm going to Watford's game um, against Huddersfield at Vicarage Road. Um, this game was played just over a month ago, and it was Vladimir Ivic's last fixture um, for Watford. Uh, he was sacked after they, they lost 2-0. Um at Kirkley's up, up in Huddersfield. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ivic's football was very, very defensive um, based upon just kind of everyone chipping into defensive mould, basically. And it was, I mean, it's been a quiet season in the championship in terms of goals anyway, but Watford were one of the, the lowest for, for goals. At home, they were a little bit more inventive away from home. I think they had the lowest goal per game of any side. Um, I didn't actually calculate it, but they'd only scored five themselves and conceded eight in, in like uh, eight, nine, ten fixtures or so. So their their games away at least have been very quiet. Um, and yeah, Ivic, um, I think uh, Watford have been very quick, haven't they, to pull the trigger on managers over over the last few seasons with the Pozzo family in charge. Um, but I do think that the quality of their squad didn't really match um that that appointment um players like Saar um and now they've brought in uh Philip Zinkenagel from from Bodo Glimt um which I've talked about previously as well and he I mean he's a very attacking player he's the absolute definition of creative midfielder really he scored 20 goals and um sorry scored 19 goals and assisted 20 last in in 28 games in the in the uh elite Syrian last season. So um, I'm hoping he takes the championship nicely and I don't think he would have suited an ultra defensive style either. Um, what I'm kind of expecting is that we might see a bit of a new Watford with with Zisco in charge now. He was obviously headhunted as well by this Pozzo family. Um, their, their conveyor belt of managers from Maccabi Tel Aviv clearly dried up and they went to Georgia instead for Dino Tbilisi. But he mainly had his playing career, at least in La Liga, um, as a as a sort of second striker or winger, Zisco. Um, although Ivic as well was actually an attacking midfielder and it clearly didn't rub off on his managerial style. But so far, we haven't really had the chance to gauge what Zisco um, is about. He's he's only been an assistant coach prior, really, um, to a short stint as man- manager at Tbilisi. Um, he did win the league with them. Um, but since he's come to Watford, they've had three tough fixtures um, against Swansea and Norwich and Man United. Um, so I think this might be a chance to see a bit of a different style. Um, they had 18 shots on goal at Old Trafford last weekend, which clearly would, would reference that. Um, and even under Ivic, Watford won the shot count 21-10 against Huddersfield. So I think I actually watched the highlights as well of that that Huddersfield game, um, Huddersfield Watford game in December, and it was I was massively flattered Huddersfield. With, it was a Ben Foster mistake and a ridiculous Etienne Capuo goal. Otherwise, it probably would have should have been nil nil. I expect really, but Watford had the better of it really. Um, and yeah, it's like I said, it's been a low scoring season in the Championship, but. Huddersfield have gone against that, at least in their away games. They have the joint league high of 21 conceded and 11 away. Um, 11 away from home. And I think they've been kind of hit by problems. I know we kind of talk about, all I seem to talk about is injury problems on this podcast. But uh, Christopher Schindler and Richard Stearman, we would normally start for them, have both been out 
um, for a few weeks now. I just was reading up on them before this pod, and they've also Karel Eiting, who was on loan from Ajax, has literally just now been announced as a long-term injury after surgery. So he might be three or four months, and he's gone back to Amsterdam. Uh, so Carlos Corbran now needs to replace these players, I think, um, and he's not going to get the chance to do that before this weekend. And they've also revealed that uh, Nabi Saar, who was playing at centre-back in lieu of like Schindler and Stearman, is... Um, he's also going to miss this after this Saturday afternoon Watford trip as well. So it's quite a depleted Huddersfield defence, which hasn't done very well um, and is up against, like, other than Norwich, probably Watford on paper should have the best attacking talent. It hasn't really worked out and there are some other great players in the league going forward. But um, Watford to win and over 1.5 goals is 11 to 10 at bet 365 and I think it's kind of just being priced off of the fact that Watford have been very low scoring and tight in games previously but that may change I'm hoping um, for the remainder of the season Okay, good stuff Um, Nap time, Tom your best bet of the weekend please Yeah, I'm going to go back to um, Syria Uh, as I mentioned it's been a really good league this season for a whole host of reasons and I'm I'm gonna kind of pump for a bet that um looks really attractive uh in the bet builder market with bet three six five. It's odds against actually it's eleven to ten. It's in the Crotone versus Benevento game. Um the bet is over one point five goals and each team over one card. Um just looks really good on the stats. Um, over one and a half has landed in 100% of Crotone home games this season. Their games are averaging 2.5 xG per game. Um, it's landed in over one and a half. Landed in 77% of Benevento games too. They're seeing pretty much identical xG figures to Crotone in terms of totals. Um, so the goal angle looks fine here. Um, big game for Crotone. They're needing a few results now. They're needing to have to go for wins even this earlier in the season. And these home games against kind of lesser opposition are, are going to be massive for them. Um, so I think the goals angle is fine. Um, I'm just looking at the cards cards market in this one. And Crotone have been a, a great team to follow for cards, not only for them themselves, um, but they seem to rile up opposition too, which is quite good for any kind of both teams to get so many cards bets. Um, they've been carded in 100% of the games this season, all 17. They've seen two or more cards in 15 of 17 too of Crotone, which is really strong. Uh, the only two that didn't were the first two home games of the season. So it's been even more so this season. Seen three or more cards in over half of the games too. They're a pretty mad team. Um, but they've also seen their opponents be carded in 16 of 17 this season. And 15 of 17 opponents have been carded twice or more. So you've seen this bet land in an awful lot of Crotone games this season. Um, and if you look at Benevento on the, the flip side, they've been carded in every game this season, 17 out of 17. Carded twice in 13 of 17, including the last seven away from home. Both, both sides have seen two or more cards in 75% of Benevento away games this season. And both sides have seen two or more cards in 77% of Crotone's games full stop this season. So, yeah, it, it's a game that should be plenty of cards, plenty of goals. And I kind of want to combine them both and to get... 11 to 10 on over one and a half goals. Each team to have over one card looks really good. I mean, the, the ref's not the maddest. Um, he, he hasn't done an awful lot of Syria games. It's Simone Sosa, um, more of a Syria B man, but he's pretty average by Italian standards. But um, given the, the two teams here, I'm expecting kind of five or six cards. And given how Often Crotone games are quite equally split in terms of cards. I'm more than happy to to pump for that. So 11 to 10 over one goal, each team over one card. Crotone versus Benevento. That will be my nap. 
Nice one. Like the sound of that. Nice price too. So I think we've covered everything. So I guess all that's left to ask is if there's any other business from you guys, anything you've not been able to mention that you want to share with the listeners. The floor is yours. Who's going first? I'll jump in quickly. Yeah, thank. I'm glad that Tom flagged about Bet365 getting their prices up on that uh, into UV card, player cards markets. And yeah, Bentancur is nine to four there. So I'll add nice. that to my to my list for the for the into Juve game and yeah just in general happy with that screenier um consensus as well and then one other from thing from me uh man city played palace on sunday evening um and palace are the fourth most fouled team i've mentioned before how the, the red cards against them there's been six in their games but if anything i kind of just prefer um man city on the card um the card 1x2 or index match bet as Betfair call it they're 15 to 8 to, to have the most cards um, and I just I mean a, a cards against teams Palace are averaging um, two cards per game against them and City are 1.5 um, if you flip it and you look at cards drawn for themselves then it's the reverse but I'd make this quite an even match up for cards and I, I expect that City over the years, everyone's pointed out how they've cynical they've been on breaking down counters, and there's no other, there's no real team that loves to counter more than maybe there's a couple that you can put in that bracket these days. But but Palace particularly a very counter attacking driven team. It will be all one way traffic except for the twenty percent possession that Palace get on the break. So um, I think that that has good claims at fifteen to eight for Man City to have most cards. Nice one. Over to you then, Tom. Yeah, just one that kind of stood out to me in France. Um, Marseille are at home against Nîmes, which is a a bit of a one-sided game when you're looking at the betting. Um, Marseille around 4-11 to in places. But I'm not really expecting a whole host of goals here, to be honest. Um, Quite like the look of Marseille to win an under four goals in the game which is available at um, 11 to 10. It's actually odds against with Bet365 on their Bet Builder, uh, around similar elsewhere too. Uh, just think that if you look at Neem's season this this season, it, it's been a terrible one. Um, it's not something I've kind of picked up on until recently. Um, it used to be Dijon that were right down there in terms of the data. Um, I can remember when we were looking at Dijon posting around 20% XG ratio and Neem have actually gone bottom on that metric which really surprised me when I was looking at my um, my kind of data ahead of this I think they're both around 28% which is awful um, they're conceding over two expected goals per game uh, so you might think why, why would I want to take an under goals approach but Marseille have not been brilliant going forward this season. Um, they've picked up a bit more of late, but Vias Boas is one of their managers who is more than happy to just win 1-0 um, and kind of shut the game down. They're, they've actually outperformed the data this season of Marseille, but I think that um, they've got enough to beat Nîmes here. They did play midweek, of course, in that game against PSG. So that's another reason I would want to oppose goals. I don't think they're going to go um, mental here, Marseille. Um, but they've got more than enough to win. So I was surprised you could get odds against about that. Marseille to win an under 3.5 goals. Um, I'd probably make that odds on, given how bad Neymar and how low-scoring Marseille games tend to be. Yeah, I mean, you're being kind to Neymar, aren't you? They have been in yeah. horrendous form <laughs> in the last, uh, I think it's 13 uh, is it 13 that win or something along those lines anyway? But uh, they're not scoring goals. Four goals and about 20 hours worth of league and action for them. They are useless. But uh, fingers crossed Marseille put them to the sword this weekend in a reasonably low scoring match for Tom. Uh, OK, thanks, guys. Uh, and thank you as well you, to you guys listening. Um, in the meantime, take care and look after yourselves. Obviously, we understand lockdown restrictions aren't easy for many of us. So, again, just a reminder that if you ever want to 
reach out to any of us. Uh, you're feeling down, just want to talk football or betting with someone. Uh, our DMs are always open. Uh, we're happy for you to, to message us if you want to fa fancy a chat at any point. But uh, we'll wrap it up there. Appreciate all your support of the show, especially on social media. Really does make the guys' hard work worthwhile. As I said earlier, we're back next week to preview some European football and uh, other stuff too. So we'll chat then. But uh, of course, before we go, a big thank you to the guys, the stars of the show, Mr. Tom Love. Cheers, guys. And Mr. William Dyer. Cheers, guys. Happy hunting for the weekend. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Chat soon.